Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to be here. I'm just still like soaking in worship. The worship team, thank you so much for leading us into worship, into his presence. Oh, I still got chills. Um, again, my name is Vanessa Alvarez, and I am from the hood. I'm five minutes down the road. I live here. Um, and I have a family. There's a picture here that we're going to see. That's my, my husband and my daughter, um, my son, my daughter-in-law, and my grandbaby. Um, yes, I am a grandma. Um, that's part of my testimony. I was a teen mom. We can talk about that later. <laughs> but that is my family, and I just love them, and it's just been great to just walk alongside them as we continue to grow together. And I also, I just want to thank Jordan for calling me up. I know right now he's in Israel. Isn't that cool? Have you guys been catching up with his posts on social media? Just incredible. So Jordan, if you're watching I'm in awe of what God is doing already through you and what you're going to bring here when you come back. So love you, brother. So again, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I tend to be the person that sees a squirrel and then get distracted. So I have lots of notes and sometimes you're going to see me reading because I got to focus. So um, yes. <laughs> and it doesn't help that the doors are open in front of me and I literally could see squirrels out there. So I got to... <laughs> I got to focus. But, you know, as I was reflecting and preparing for the sermon, I was just thinking the word of the Lord is just so powerful, just powerful. And when, when we sit with God, things shift, things move within us, around us. And, um, I just been looking forward to just sitting in God's presence together with you guys today. I'm, an, I'm anticipating for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to reveal to us, to teach us something new today. That we walk out of here changed, challenged, encouraged, renewed. So today, uh, we will be diving into lots of scriptures. So if you brought your Bible, bring them out. <laughs> we will continue the journey that you all have been on in Matthew, the book of Matthew. Um, if you did not bring your Bibles, no worries. Um, I got you. Actually, the tech teams got you back there. They will display the scriptures when we are ready to read. Um, so before I get into the scriptures, before we really get into the sermon, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Father, thank you so much for a brand new day. Thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for waking us up and bringing us here. Um, Lord, we, again, we're just excited for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We love you and we just praise you, God. We praise you that you are the breath in our lungs and that I can stand here today because of you. It's not me. So Holy Spirit, speak through me. I, I empty myself in front of you. You speak through me, move me out of the way, and you lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, many of you uh, may be asking to... Uh, Something new in my life as well. Uh, I'm a, I am a pastor and I am part of Amazing Church Global um, under the leadership and pastor of uh, Alexander Pagani and Mama Pagani. So shout out to them. Um, so now we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew 23. So if you, have, if, you're, if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles. Tech, don't put that on the screen quite yet. Um, when you open your Bibles and when the, the scripture gets put on the screen... You're going to see that there is lots of letters in red. And many of you may be asking, what, is, what does that mean? 
And uh, what that means is these are the direct words of Jesus. No translation here. These are his words. So that's, that's when you hear the red letters. It's Jesus speaking. And before we actually read the scripture, I just want to give you some sort of background and prepare you for what we're about to experience. Because let me tell you, Matthew 23 is full of drama. So <laughs> hold on to your seats. So uh, Matthew 23 was Jesus' last um, public message before the crucifixion. So this is his last message in the public. Um, And at this point of Jesus' ministry, we're at the climax. Like I said, drama. And um, Jesus just had it up to here with the religious leaders and Pharisees. He's He's just done. So this was an intense, intense moment here in Matthew 23. Um. Yeah, so have you ever walked into a room and you suddenly find yourself looking like these memes? So we're going to go through some of these memes. But when you open Matthew 23, some of you might be looking like this. All right, let's go to the next one. Me, I hate drama. Me, when there's drama. (laughs) That's going to be us as we open Matthew 23. Go ahead. Another one here. Should I go? Should I stay? I'm not quite sure. This is awkward. Next one. I definitely can relate to that one. Oh, yeah. Me staying away from drama, but close enough to get all the tea. (laughs) Next one, I think I have one more. When your friends are fighting in front of you and you want to stay out of it. Like, oh, gosh. Oh, there we go. I love The Office, so (laughs) I had to throw that one in there. But this is just, my point is, this is awkward. Matthew 23, and you're going you're gonna to see why in a second. Um, so let's jump, jump into the story. Um, this also took place where there was a lot of people um, in a public space. So just imagine yourself. Jesus walks in. There's pastors. There's leaders um, in the room. And now I'm going to read Matthew 23. I had printed this out too because I need big letters. Um, And I'm going to read this in some sort of tone that I can imagine Jesus speaking this. Because again, he's not really nice here. Um, he's, he's, He's over it. So, Matthew 23. When Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy cumbered cumbered sums of load. Sorry, I'm a horrible reader too, so may the grace of God be with me here, <laughs> and put them on other people's shoulders. I like what another translation says. It says, for they tie together heavy packs that are impossible to carry, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their I can't say this word, but it's prayer bands wide and their tassels on their garment long. They love the place of honor at banquets 
and the most important seats in the synagogues or in churches. They love to be greeted with respect in the markets, and they like to be called rabbis, rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have only one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. And for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And for those who humble themselves will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much of a child of hell as you are. Dang. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But everyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by the oath. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the most or the more important matter of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You have practiced the latter without neglecting the formal. You blind guides. You strain out a gant, which is like a fly, but swallow a camel. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean out the outside of the dish or you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but instead you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees. First clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, 
You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part of them in shedding the blood of the prophets. You testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors have started. You snakes, you broad of vipers, you will escape being condemned to hell? How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of, some of them you will kill and crucify, and others you will flog in your own synagogues and, and purses from town to town. And pursue, sorry, from town to town. And now, so upon you will come all let me read that again. And so, and so upon you will come all the righteous blood that you, that has been shed on earth from the blood of the righteous, of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of, I can't say the name, <laughs> um, who you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come to this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you have killed the prophets and stoned those who sent, who I sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hand gathers her chick under her wings and you are not willing Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. I get emotional because I've been sitting with the scripture for a few weeks now. But I want to get your, your take here. We just read a huge part of scripture. What emotions did you see, did you hear as we read this? And you can shout them out. Anger. Disappointment. Frustration. What was that? He's mad. Yeah, he is mad. Oh, yes. So there's just a lot. There's a lot of emotions. And the two that stuck with me was the anger, the frustration, and the lament towards the end. Um, So today, that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the anger and the lament. If we were to look back in previous chapters in Matthew, we know that Jesus had lots of moments with the religious leaders. They were always challenging him, questioning him trying to trick him, simply making Jesus' life hard. And at this very moment, Jesus was angry and he had enough. Can any of you guys relate to those emotions? Somewhere, somehow, towards your friends, towards your children, towards your work? I'm sure. (laughs) I know I can. And as I was sitting with this text, I thought, whoa is right, Jesus. Actually, when um, Pastor Jordan asked me, 
to preach on this. I'm like, whoa, no pun intended, but whoa, are you sure you want me to teach on that? I was unsure about that. And as I was sitting through the, uh, through the text, um, I started thinking, okay, well, let's, let's make it simple here. Let's, let's strip this uh, scripture down and let's focus on these emotions. So what is anger? So I took out the dictionary and we're going to define anger here. We're going to see it on the screen. Anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, and hostility. Then I thought, well, what does the Bible have to say about anger? Well, the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about anger, but for time's sake, I will give just two scripture references to give an idea of what the Bible says about it. So here in Ephesians 4, 26, we'll see on the screen, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Psalms 103, 8 says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As I read this, I concluded, anger is not a sin, but what we do with anger can lead us to sin or to act out in our flesh. And flesh is always messy. (laughs) What Jesus was expressing was righteous anger. He did not sin, but he was angry, as we see here in Matthew 23. And some may ask, well, what is righteous anger? Righteous anger is getting angry at the things that are not of God. It is an anger that is grieved by sin, by death, and any form of evil. And righteousness is being angry at all the things that oppose God in the world, that oppose God in the world without being motivated by sin. Then we see the crowds at the end of this chapter, or towards the end of this um, chapter. We could possibly conclude that Jesus was crying As you saw, I was crying. I can imagine Jesus crying, just heartbroken for his people. Um, He was sad. And what I realized is he was lamenting. So I said, well, what is lament? So I took out my regular dictionary and lament says it's a crying out of grief, wailing to mourn, to express. And then I thought, well, what does the Bible have to say about lament? And I realized the Bible has a lot to say about lament. And I'm going to point out the obvious. In the Bible, there's a book called Lamentations. (laughs) It's in the Old Testament. Um, It's interesting that we don't see the book of joy, the book of peace, the book of anger. Instead, we see the book, a book that's focused on lament. And I thought to myself, maybe the Lord wants to teach us something that many of us avoid or deny. I don't know. Just a thought that came to my mind as I was sitting with that scripture. I thought, why is it that we rarely hear about the topic? I know, you know, growing up in church, whenever I heard about the book of limitations, they're like, oh, let's just skip that. That's so sad and boring and just a downer. So I never really fully read it until recent years. And I thought, why is it hard to lament? The Bible is filled with songs of sorrow. I mean, over the third of the Psalms are lament. And the book of Lamentations, it weeps over the destruction of um, Jerusalem. And Jesus lamented in his final hours. And then we see here towards the end of Matthew 23 where he lamented. But let me relieve the guys because some, some guys, I don't know, maybe some girls too, maybe I'm stereotyping being typical here, but... We don't like to cry. Some guys are like, tough it up. 
you know, some girls too. I was that girl. Lament is beyond crying. Okay. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Let's be honest. Nobody wants to be labeled as a crybaby. Instead, let me tell you, lament is a form of prayer. It's more than just an expression of sorrow and venting our emotions. Lament talks to God about pain. And it has a unique purpose. Trust. It is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, frustrations, and sorrow for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. Now, lament has a lot of purposes. I'm going to read something, and I want you to read along with, well, not not read along, but just read with me in your mind (laughs) what I'm about to read here. Lament is proof of a relationship. Lament is a pathway to intimacy with God. Lament is a prayer for God to act. Lament is a participation in the pain of others. Lament is being honest with yourself, with God, and with others. I know as we hear these definitions and examples, we can relate to to one or the other, the anger, the crying, you know, our heart broken. We all know what pain is one way somehow. Many of us know what it means to be mad and frustrated at God or at others. How many of you have questioned God before? Me, me, definitely. (laughs) I've done it many, many, many times um, throughout my life. I want to read one more scripture to you that I found that David wrote um, that, that talks about lament, that we see him lamenting. And it's in Psalms 6, verse 2 through 6. He says, have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My heart, I'm sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the, for the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I'm worn out of sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. I know I've had plenty of nights like that before throughout my life. So when I read that, I was like, this is really what captures lament. You know, as I was reflecting on the lament and the the anger, the righteous anger, um, I see throughout the Bible that it wasn't just Jesus that had these expressions. It was David. It was King David. It was other people within the Bible. It's the church today. It's not a thing of the past. It's a thing. It's we're all living in it somewhere, somehow, or experienced it. Um, what I've come to learn in this moment in Matthew 23 is that God loves his people. And he longs to be close to them. And he longs for us to be real with them. There's a, there's a book that I recently read. Um, what is it called? No More Faking Fine. Is that what it's called? Yeah. No More Faking Fine. Um, And I didn't realize 
I was being a faker, a faker within myself, a faker to my family, to my friends, and really being fake with God. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm good. And the Lord said, stop playing. Stop playing. I can handle it. Um, I had a misconception of God. And I wrestled with the Lord for a year, really wrestled with him, asked some hard questions. Um, So I recommend that book, um, No More Faking Fine. It would be a great book um, about lament. See, lament is good news. And we can find freedom in it. I found freedom in it. Um, I find that wrestling with God is good and he can handle our aggression. He can um, handle us yelling. He can handle our tears. He can handle us just being in a ball and not knowing what to say. He can handle all that. And anger, well, it's good too because it can draw us to God. Um, God wants in on your anger. God wants in your lament. Through your struggles in life, God will never tell you to suck it up and move on. I know that's what I was told a lot of times throughout my life. You're a big girl. Suck it up. Let's go. We don't have time to cry. We don't have time to process. God wants to process with you. So no, our God is a father of patience, kindness, and love. So my encouragement to you, church, let us be like Jesus. Let us be angry as Jesus was, disgusted at the things that are not of God, righteous anger. And let us lament, wrestle with the Lord on the hard stuff and never give up on loving God and people. Though we live in a cancel culture world, we are not meant to cancel each other out. Um, out of our lives, um, out of, we're not even meant to cancel God out of our lives. Instead, we're called to love. Love when it's not easy and when we don't feel like it. We are called to love like Jesus loved, and Jesus loved us like we've never hurt him before. Jesus loves us like we've never hurt him before. Um, He loves us even when we reject him, and at times we wanted nothing to do with him. See, the world doesn't know or understand this kind of love. And to be brutally honest, church, many of us Christians simply suck at loving. Because we're trying to love through the world's definition and not God's definition. So I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What is love? Let us be known by being honest, loving, not passive or weak Christians. Because God is not a weak God. And he's not passive. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But let us be known of people who walk in spirit and in truth. Let us be known by our love, how we love one another. Not tolerate love. We must be holy as he is holy and surrender our life in the safety of our father. Now, I know there was a lot to, to process. It's really quiet over here, but I think it's because we can relate and it's not easy stuff to talk about. Um, so before I pray and we close, 
I just want to give you guys an opportunity to just sit with what we heard. I know sometimes we're like, we worship three songs, sermon, great, now I can go have lunch. But I would encourage you today to sit with Matthew 23, to sit with maybe a nugget that you got today from the message. So the worship team is going to come up and they're going to sing over us and we're going to worship one more song. And after the song is done, we're officially dismissed. Um, But if you need more time and want more time to sit and process, even after the song is over, please, please stay. Um, If you also would like to share what um, what you've been processing with somebody, we're here to listen, and we'll be here to pray for you too. So if you're looking for prayer, if you just want some encouragement, we will be here. Um, our God is not a God that hurries up and rushes. Our God is a God of patience and, and peace. So um, leave as the Holy Spirit leaves, or to, you know, leads. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, uh, Wyoming Harbor for this opportunity to share God's word with you all. I bless you and I thank God for you as you continue to do what God has mission you to do here in Wyoming and around the world. You guys, every time I see you guys out in the community serving, uh, you know, I'm Facebook stock, Facebook stocking you guys. I just, I'm encouraged by what you guys are doing and I applaud you. And I just say, continue to do God's work. Um, and may, may you go and enjoy this beautiful weather and apply what we've learned today. Let this not be just a regular, that was a great word of encouragement. Really sit with it throughout the week and ask the Lord, am I avoiding lament? Am I faking fine? Am I really angry, but suppressing it somewhere or somehow and allow the Lord to minister to you? Let me pray. God, thank you so much that you're a God that can handle it all. You are a faithful God. You are a healing God. You are a correcting God. You are a God of hope. You are a God of miracles. You are a God who um, reveals. You are a God that's real. I'm so grateful that you're not a fake God. I'm so grateful that you are limitless. There's no limits to you, God. There's nothing that we can do that will separate us from you. So Jesus, thank you so much for keeping it real with the Pharisees and the people around you that we see here in Matthew 23. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you just continue to mold us and shape us to be a reflection of you. May we not be the passive Christians the weak Christians. May we walk in courage and in boldness, but ultimately just being real, being honest with each other and with you, Father. We thank you for the, for the hills and the valleys. We thank you that you go with us and you go through with us in, in certain situations, God. In all situations, not certain, in all situations. 
You go behind us, you go beside us, you go ahead of us. Thank you for being a fence around us uh, for protection. God, you're so good. We could be here days, nights, weeks, proclaiming your goodness. Great are you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.